0: You're going to show both, knock down the shot. For what his value is, he doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. Oh, we'll God. see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the T M Up Podcast. I am Jace Eustace, joined as always by a resident Bulls fan, Jared Huff. Jared, rough week for the Bulls, but how are you
1: feeling? Uh, I'm pissed. <laughs> I am pissed as hell. And I'm not pissed at my team because yeah. we've been through the ringer with injuries. Derrick oh, Jones yeah. Jr. Has been out. Lonzo Ball's been out. Zach Levine's been out, but Hey, in all this darkness, there was a light. Alex Caruso returned from his foot spring <laughs> only to be taken out <laughs> midair by the oh, dirtiest man. player in college basketball history. Oh man. And yeah, well. ugh, no suspension. All he was, was ejected from the game. And, <sighs> You know what, go ahead and say what you're going to say because I, I got plenty more I could
0: say. Yeah, I'm sure so. you do. I was just going to say we were going to lead off with that, let it, let it get off your chest. But the last few weeks haven't really been great, to say the least, for the Chicago Bulls. You know, news came out over this last week. Two of the team's top guards and Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso have both suffered injuries that would take them out for a long period of time. Ball suffered a meniscus injury. will have to have right knee surgery, scheduled to be out for six to eight weeks. And then Caruso fractured his right wrist after a scary play involving the Bucks, Grayson Allen, and will also be out six to eight weeks. So, Jared, I'm just going to hand it off to you right away. How, how are you feeling? How are you feeling this morning?
1: Um, I, I have also seen stuff Lonzo could be back as early as four to six weeks, okay. so that makes me feel a little better. But let's, let's just get back into my emotion. All right. Let it out, man. Let it out. Grayson Allen should be suspended for six to eight weeks. It's ridiculous. He has a known history of this. There's a play earlier this season where you see Derrick Rose blowing right by him, and he sticks his foot out a little bit to trip the guy, uh, who is another player with injury history. Could you imagine if Derrick Rose went down on his knees after a trip from Allen as he's driving full speed to the hoop? Would have been catastrophic potentially. This guy has no business playing in the NBA if this is how he's going to play. It's not the 1980s anymore. We want to see our players thrive. We want to see a league where the best players are on the floor every night because they're healthy. Alex Caruso wasn't going to randomly fracture his wrist. He was taken out mid-air where the second hand came across that essentially, like, pull him around. Grayson Allen's a dangerous player. The NBA needs to do something about it. The Milwaukee Bucks need to do so. Oh, and on top of that, the Milwaukee Bucks posted on Twitter. Oh, I knew you a were going go to. or a, a little gift the next yeah. day like good morning Kings versus Bucks and it's Grayson Allen with the donut which then even the Chicago Bulls replied like are you serious and they deleted the tweet. You know what? I'm I, I've never had a reason to dislike the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, sure they're a conference rival, but like for most of my life the Bucks have been ass. Just really bad until the last couple of years with Giannis which is great for them but you know what now no bucks are enemy number 1 we'll see you in the playoffs oh, we'll man. see you in the playoffs
0: see when we started this this podcast and, and both of us being fans of the game of basketball obviously both of us kind of having some different differentiating opinions on some things as far as you know the, the history of some of these players and the history of the NBA this might be one of the ones that we have some sort of disagreement on. I reviewed the play on this. I reviewed the play on this a lot. I just sat there and let it play 20, 30 times right in a row. I think this looked a lot worse than what the intention was. I think Grayson Allen was making a play for the basketball when he went up to try to make a play. I He caught Caruso's arm coming down. I completely agree with that, and it did look as if he was obviously being pulled to the ground. Um, Allen, I think his past definitely precedes him as a dirty player. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the whole tripping incidents, multiple incidents in college, what he's done so far in the NBA. He definitely is, if you were making a list of the dirtiest players in the NBA, he would be at the top of the mind for most uh, NBA fans. I think he's generally a very hated player, but I think Allen definitely deserved the uh, ejection. Don't get me wrong. It was a very hard foul. And in the NBA, you don't play like that anymore. And the result obviously was about as bad as it possibly could have been. Obviously, there's a, there's a scenario where they both go up, they collide midair, and someone gets pulled to the ground, and nothing ends up being as bad. I think it's heightened by the fact that it was a fractured wrist that Caruso is now going to have to go through and going to have to rehab from. But I've reviewed the video on this many times, and I don't think when Allen initially jumped, to try to make a play that he was intending to harm Caruso. I believe he went up and tried to make a play for the ball. When they met each other, then it was kind of almost like he was trying to catch himself and was pulling down Caruso, and that's just how it looked. I, I get it. It looks awful. I get that. I get that. I just don't think his intention was to harm Caruso when he was running to the basket.
1: I have to disagree. I don't think he intended to injure Caruso so much mm-hmm. but he definitely intended to rattle him. I mean that that is not a basketball play bringing the the second hand up and pulling. That's not a basketball move in my opinion. So I kind of understand what you're saying but at the same time I, I just I got to disagree. I, I understand.
0: No, that's that's completely fair and I agree it still. It's completely fair. And it's it's one of those incidents where it is it is just very unfortunate. No one wants to see injuries, especially a team that's already been dealing with injuries in there at the top of the, the east. You know, they they've, they've kind of dropped. I mean, recently now they've dropped a half game just below Brooklyn into the second spot. Um, but I, I just don't think Allen was intending to harm Caruso. I get it. The object, objection, I completely understand. After a play like that, an objection has to happen. I'd even be okay with a short suspension. I don't think a suspension for four to six weeks, like, like you said, would, would be fair. Um, That's the emotion. I, yes, I completely understand. <laughs> Trust me, and if this happened to like a Jimmy Butler or something like that, I, I might be feeling the exact same way. I completely understand how that works. it It looks really bad, but I just don't think the intention was as bad as the way that it it resulted.
1: There was a little uh, karmic justice that was done last night, though, in light of this, okay? I mean, different sport, different, different sport, mind you, but some of the same players. So you know, Chicago first, well, I guess let's say Wisconsin in this case. Well, last night, the all-time Bears leading scorer, Robbie Gold of the 49ers, <laughs> sent the Packers and Aaron Rodgers likely out of Lambeau Field. Oh, so, yeah. you know what? Karma. But that's not it. The Bulls got to get their karma, too. So, um, so we're coming yeah. for you, Milwaukee. We're coming for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did I did want to write down one thing as far as I'm going to try to make a silver lining out, out of these injuries for your Bulls moving forward. Um, Chicago's done a great job of positioning themselves very well. You know, they, they've positioned themselves where they can suffer – Uh, some injuries to some key guys and they can still not just completely obviously fall out of the playoff race being there at the top when all these all this kind of went down they've done a great job so far i think it's fair to expect them to drop in the standings a little bit but you hope that these young Mm -hmm. guys in these roster on this roster can really kind of take that next next man up mentality
1: hey Um, look at io and kobe that's what i'm saying
0: these young guys you know it's especially the young guards the young guards on this roster are going to get a chance to play some big minutes and you hope to see the growth in them and I'm just we've talked about it so far this season with Miami and one of their biggest strengths is when the guys the starters went down. We saw these young guys come in and come out of nowhere and keep the team afloat. If I'm saying a silver lining for Chicago is that these young guys are going to get a chance to play. They're going to get a chance to play big minutes. They're going to get chances to close games. And if I'm the coaching staff for the Bulls, I'm just looking at I'd be trying to change this around and looking at this as an opportunity to grow your depth. Rather than coming in with the mindset of "Hey, we just got to survive till these guys get
1: back," yeah, and this might be a little controversial, um, but aside for from Evan Mobley, who was drafted third by the Cavs, which was a steal in my opinion, yeah, I think Io Desumo is the best value pick of yeah. the draft, considering yeah, you where he's drafted. That. Oh Th- yeah, this guy's a lottery talent in my opinion. Oh yeah, like, late lottery for sure.
0: Well, he looked great last year at University of Illinois when they were oh, making yeah.
1: their run as far as they were.
0: It came in as a, a one-seed into the March Madness tournament. So definitely he's he was the leader of that team, him and uh, Coburn down there. So definitely be interesting to see what happens with the Bulls. I know obviously I, I, I didn't look up when the next time they play Milwaukee, but might be some heightened security during that game. I think we game. got
1: three more matchups. Yeah. Three
0: more. Oh, yeah. There, there'll be a few more.
1: And it's jan- – so there's going to be a lot very soon.
0: Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see and – I, I don't know, man. Just uh, you hate to see injuries. You really do. And it it just sucks that it's happening, obviously, to your team. And I it just sucks to happen to some of these top players on some of these top teams because everybody wants to go up against each other's best. I know all these players do. And, uh, you know, hopefully this hopefully it doesn't snowball from here. But uh, moving on from a couple injuries to a couple, I guess, a, a great thing that happened for Steph Curry on Friday, he did something unsurprisingly it has He hasn't done so far in his great career. And he hit a game-winning buzzer beater to take down the Houston Rockets. And I get it. He needed the game-winning buzzer beater to take down the Houston Rockets. But we're just going to forget about that for right now. But, Jared, were you surprised to hear that this was his first game-winning buzzer beater? And what does this mean for his legacy, man?
1: Um, it is surprising uh, because you just think of, like, all the incredible three-pointers that Curry's made. You just see the highlights on YouTube, Instagram, wherever. You figure one of those was to be a game-winner, right? Mm. And that's just not the case until tonight, which I got to say, whoever had that photo from the baseline where you see the shot clock yeah. in the background and Curry right there, that's an all timer right there. And that's, great. that's like, that's up there. I think with the Wade and LeBron, uh, alley. Yeah. yeah, and, they, uh, yeah. In, that actually uh, wasn't an alley center it, or like off the back. Yeah. Front, you know? Everybody always thinks that was an alley, but it actually wasn't. <sighs> I kind of consider off the glass. Yeah. It's back an, it's one still of an that's st- uh, whatever. Anyway. Um, I don't think it has a negative impact on Curry's legacy that he hasn't been hitting these shots because if you look at his track record, he's been a winning player for majority of his career mm-hmm. to where I think he's just hit so many big shots that in these close game situations, he's put his team up enough to where he doesn't need to hit the shot for the game. So I, I don't penalize him at all. I mean, we know what kind of shooter he is. We know if he needs to make these shots, he can make them. And tonight was just that first example. It's weird that's happening this late into his career. But Steph Curry's a great player regardless, and I don't think his lack of uh, game winners hurts him in any way. Yeah.
0: You know, this – I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit, not much, Pierre, but this was nice for Curry. It's really kind of had a rough go of it, especially recently, even though the Warriors – have really been able to win beside his little kind of shooting slump he's been on. But I was really surprised to hear that this was his first game winning buzzer beater because he's pretty much done everything else in his career related to shooting at such a high level. And no one can argue that it's, it's hard to hit game winning buzzer beaters. And there's, there's a long list of guys that have hit multiple game winners, but it's really hard to do it at the buzzer and to just kind of have those sort of iconic moments that we talk about forever. And, um, from my research, what I kind of looked up, it looks like, and I could be wrong on some of these numbers because some of these players are still kind of playing. But so Michael Jordan leads NBA history with nine game winning buzzer beaters. Uh, I have LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Joe Johnson are all tied in uh, second with Iso Joe, Iso Joe up there with eight with Kobe and LeBron. It's nice to see. And then, uh, Paul Pierce has seven to kind of round out that top five. Um, I think this is a little missing piece for Curry when we're kind of talking about, you know, 10 years from now when all these players, are, their careers are done and we start to do what we always do is we try to, you know, where do they rank with these guys and the guys from the 80s and the guy from 90s and we'll do that, you know, to the day that we die. It's I think it's a little missing piece, especially for a guy whose claim to fame is his shooting. Um, we talk about, you know, being clutch is kind of one of those intangibles that leads these players and kind of in the status of their greatest of all times and where do they rank. And I think that when you start to just down the road, you start to nitpick Curry, because that's what we're going to do. Because when you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick these these little guys because all of them are great in their own right. Um, Unless he adds a few more of these in his career, which he very possibly could. I mean, for all we know, he could hit two in the next week. He's just that type of player. But this could be one of those things that could kind of ding him in those conversations moving forward, I think.
1: All right, I I would say that's a fair argument because yeah, we always debate like who's more of a clutch shooter, who you, who do you want with the final shot, yeah. and like you you always throw like Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe just because like those hey, no guys one throws are... no one throws LeBron in there.
0: Oh, Everybody, the the big thing about LeBron is he's not clutch, which never okay. made sense
1: to me. He he erased that the last couple of seasons. Okay, I used to say that probably like early to mid 2010s, mm-hmm. but no, the last couple like playoff you can't you can't knock him anymore. I've seen him hit shots against the Bulls. I've seen him hit shots against really any team he's going against in the playoffs. LeBron and I am a LeBron James sports hater in terms of I hate I like to root against him because like he's been a conference rival for most of my life. Not that I hate him because he's great, Mm -hmm. although I hate him being great against my team. Of course. But I will say, stop fooling yourself into the argument that LeBron James isn't clutch. He's clutch. We we put that to (laughs) bed. Thank you.
0: Uh, we, we appreciate that over on this side because yes. that's the number no, one is. most ludicrous thing when people try to discredit is LeBron's not clutch well I mean he's second in the, in the game winning buzzer beaters I think he'll probably tire past MJ probably I mean he's category. Got, yeah he'll have the opportunity to I and you could argue there's been some games even this year where he's it's it's almost like he knows he's one behind Jordan so like there, there's some threes that he pulls up for when the game is tied that even
1: I'm like come on man just drive to the bucket go get it but you know one thing Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. One thing I have to say about opposing defenses, when he starts looking at the ground like that, the arc, put, move up on him. He's, <laughs> He's going to shoot. shoot. He looks it's you up and the down. biggest oh, yeah. tell ever. So please put a hand up. No, I agree.
0: <laughs> I agree, man. Uh, let's move on here to LeBron's team, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. So it seems like we don't really go a week without mentioning the Los Angeles Lakers, and this week is going to be no so different. So fun. It is fun, man. But this week, the news out of the Lakers camp, besides from LeBron's current streak of scoring uh, over 25 points, I'm not going to talk about that, is definitely Russell Westbrook. Uh, Russell was benched in the fourth quarter of the Lakers game against the Pacers. The Lakers dropped a game that they definitely should have grabbed. After the game, Coach Vogel was asked about the benching and said that he was playing the guys he thought were going to win the game. So, Jarrett, does this mean that Westbrook's days in Los Angeles are numbered?
1: Uh, I don't necessarily think it does. I mean, one with if he was playing on like a twenty million dollar contract, sure. But that man's owed like what forty five million this uh, year.
0: Yeah, I wrote it down. He's making forty four this year, and he's under contract for forty seven next year. How do
1: you how do you move that? <laughs> I mean, everyone's seen the tape. Everyone's seen where he's gone everywhere since Oklahoma City. Who, who wants him? Westbrook? Don't get me wrong; is still a very talented player. Just he doesn't. Uh, for what his value is he doesn't equate to winning basketball and that's been more evident this year than any other year and it's pretty telling when your coach says that I put the players in the game that I think could win the game well why is your 44 million dollar a year player not one of those players yeah and that's pretty telling now this whole Lakers situation in my opinion is a pressure cooker waiting to explode Whether it's LeBron just having a passive-aggressive, frustrated interview, throwing all his teammates that, in some cases, he's justified under the bus. Whether it's, I could see a crazy scenario where Westbrook just walks away from the team or where the team tries to trade him or they agree to a buyout. Uh, Frank Vogel could get fired any day now because apparently he's on a game-to-game basis. Like, this is not good. This team is back and forth under and over 500. It's – and it's – the West at the top, it's not going to be easy this year. Now, they could be lucky, get a fifth seed and run into somebody like Dallas where they might have a chance, but if they play one of these top teams like the Jazz Warriors or um, Suns in early first rounds, it's going to be another first-round exit. Um, We should see what happens when AD comes back, but this whole Westbrook situation – it's not help. I mean, he's hitting the t- every day. I feel like I see a shot of him hitting the top of the backboard. Yeah, he's
0: showing up on like, Shackton the fool. A lot bad. Yeah,
1: and and you mentioned AD possibly. He is
0: a game time decision. We're recording this here on Sunday. He's a game time decision for their game today against Miami. So we'll see if he's possibly back. I if I would imagine he probably wouldn't be back though tonight. But it is nice to see that he's possibly getting closer here to returning. But you know, before the season, I I was on record. Uh, that if anybody was going to make things work with Russell Westbrook, it was going to have to be I LeBron. Um, LeBron. And at this point, I'm really starting to believe that not even LeBron can make Russell Westbrook a winning basketball player right now. You know, he just had, Russell hasn't looked comfortable this entire season. He just, he's had so many embarrassing shacked in a full moments. He's a constant turnover machine. He's not a shooting threat. And he's really struggled down the threat, the, the stretch and to close out basketball games. And He's one of those players who he's so talented and obviously his career numbers and resume are, are up there with some of the best in the league. But at this point in his career, he just looks like he's dragging the Lakers down and he's not actually helping them get to that goal of winning games against the Indiana Pacers. You got to win those games, man. I get it. Karis Levert went dummy in the fourth quarter and couldn't be guarded by anybody and congratulations to him. But you have to win those basketball games against the bottom of the of the eastern conference those are easy mm-hmm. wins you have to pick up i think the lakers front office hope that his days as a laker are numbered but at this point where can you send him and what can you get for him and we touched on this year 44 million he's under contract for 47 million dollars next year I don't see a fit. You know, if you're a young team that can afford the contract, you probably don't want them around taking minutes from younger players. If you're a contending team, you don't want to add his star power to your roster. That's already been playing well together. If I'm the Lakers and I can get an offer for Jeremy Grant and maybe Kelly Olenek or Corey Joseph, from the Pistons, that might be the very best that I can possibly get if the Pistons are willing to take that contract. I'm probably taking that offer in a heartbeat. And I don't even think Detroit's
1: front office would be dumb enough. To oh, me. no way. No way Detroit would do that. For some reason, they really value Jeremy Grant, where like I've heard some offers from him to where like I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I would take that. And they're just not budging. Yeah. Also, Jeremy Grant wants to go somewhere where he's a primary offensive uh, uh, mm-hmm. option. And I'm like, Good luck finding a team yeah. that wants to win that that, that can that
0: can match the price tag that the Detroit Pistons yeah. are putting
1: on it. But yeah, I, I I try to go through every team and I'm like, there Westbrook doesn't have a fit in the league because the teams that would kind of make sense, they have young guards where he just mm-hmm. be taking time away from them and um, and essentially the ball, and it just wouldn't make sense for those players' development. Like you could say, oh, throw him back in OKC. Okay no, a lot of young guards. Takes yeah. the ball away from Giddy, takes it from, away from Shai. Um Pistons, again, takes away from Cade Cunningham. And uh, the reclamation project that is um, – I can't even think of his name right now, but you know who I'm talking about Their First-round pick last year, Killian Hayes. There we go. Yeah, yeah, Hayes. Um, so, yeah, it's just I, I don't see a spot for him in the league, and it's kind of sad. Yeah, and he hasn't really
0: branded himself as, as this uh, mentor-type guard that – Almost like guys like Rajon Rondo have kind of like taken like, hey, you know, I'm not a star anymore. I can still help out a team. I can come off the bench. And some people are calling for Russell Westbrook to come off the bench. I don't even think that would solve anything. And there is not a chance Westbrook is going to be a six man. That's just not going to happen. He doesn't have that in him, I don't think. But it's just right now it's a sticky situation. It keeps getting worse, man. It seems like week by week we're kind of waiting. They'll they'll have a game where they look fantastic. They look like they finally got rotations down. You got Malik Bunk will have a good game. THT will have a good game. Carmelo Anthony will be knocking down threes and all of a sudden you look at what this team, hey, you know, maybe they could be in there and that's six. You know, right now I think they are technically the seventh seed um, but obviously, they want to climb as high as possible, stay out of that play-in tournament. But I don't know, man. With each passing week, it just the struggles have continued to go. LeBron has played fantastic; his individual numbers. You don't know how long that's going to continue to keep up. Anthony Davis scheduled to be back, but even when he was playing this season, wasn't exactly great. wasn't wasn't helping the team. He was supposed to be the number one option with LeBron, kind of that number two role. It's what they were hoping and. Right now, it just it looks worse and worse with almost every single game that passes by. Today, they're going to play Miami, and I think Miami will destroy them, not because, you know, I'm a Miami fan. I just think Miami's deeper. I think they have better players. Beside. I think LeBron is probably still the best player on both teams. But if you look at Miami, probably has two, three, four, and five, if you're talking about the best players that are going to play in this game tonight, which is Sunday. But uh, it's interesting to see. I don't know if Russell Westbrook will finish the season as a Laker, but like we just said, man, I don't know who's going to take him on, so. Exactly. Be a rough one. But now jumping from the middle of the West to the top of the West, the Phoenix Suns now have quietly gotten a three and a half game lead over the rest of the West, including the Warriors. So simple question for you on this one, Jared. Are we undervaluing how good the Phoenix Suns are? Um,
1: They don't really get the press that you would expect because um, they don't really have one of like your perennial superstars, unless you can argue Chris Paul. But Chris Paul's just like, Chris Paul's never, since uh he was in Los Angeles, been celebrated like yeah. the cream of the crop. He's just the um, even though his effect on the team, obviously, is the effect of what a superstar like LeBron or Jokic or Joel Embiid or Steph Curry or Giannis Antetokounmpo has on an individual franchise. It's just because Chris Paul doesn't have the numbers. He doesn't put up 28 points a night. He doesn't grab like... 20, (laughs) 15 rebounds and 10 assists in the same night. Like he's just not one of those guys that's going to do that. He's just going to affect the game in different ways through his leadership, through getting other players involved. I personally have not undervalued this team. I believe I had him as the first seed. Yeah, you might. I think you did. I think I had him as my first seed uh, preseason. And uh, the Warriors have definitely helped him out in terms of separating from the West just with Mm -hmm. their struggles lately. Um, But in my opinion, uh, the Suns are undervalued by everyone but myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, I've I, I might have undervalued them a little bit uh, coming into the season, but I've been really impressed with them recently. You know, they're nine and one in their last ten. They've started to really grow a nice, sizable lead over the Golden State Warriors. So if they do go into a week or two week slump or an injury here or there, they they position themselves that they can survive and hang on to that top seed. When you start to dig into the numbers, for me, what really impresses me about this team is that on any given night, you don't know who their leading score is going to be. You know, they, it could be a Chris Paul. It could be Devin Booker, Kel Bridges, or even I wrote down the underrated and very impressive play of JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo. All of a sudden, these two guys are looking like absolute studs. And both of the Suns' big men have had great seasons. You pair that with Paul, who could drop 20 points and 20 assists on any given night? Just him being point god status, you know? Booker could explode for 50 points. Jay Crowder could get hot from behind the three point line. We've seen what he can do. This team is scary, man. It's, it really is. They're, they're a deep team coming off that finals loss. They look hungry. They look to be positioning themselves and putting them in a place where they can make another finals run this year. But like the way that I kind of put it into perspective is, is there any other team in the league right now where it's harder to guess on any given night who their leading scorer is going to be?
1: Um, and I think that kind of uh, – I, I, I would agree with that. And I think that's kind of like the point I was making. They don't have a like a super standout yeah. guy. Like obviously Devin Booker and Chris Paul are the top guys where you kind of expect Booker to stand out every night. But that's not always the case. And that's yeah. what's great about They scored 11
0: this. in their last game. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and the, which not won. great.
0: But oh, yeah. Cool. Mikhail Bridges had 25. Uh Chris Paul, I think, had 18. And then I think mm-hmm. it was like 16 and 18 for Biombo and um uh McGee. Yeah, uh, and it's I'm
1: crazy. I'm really glad you brought up the McGee and especially the Biombo piece of this because like uh DeAndre Aidens missed time and those two have stepped up. Biombo yeah. was a very underrated pickup for the midseason during all mm-hmm. the COVID craziness. Um Biombo, in fairness, hasn't really done anything since that 2016 playoff run for the Toronto Raptors, where he had some big moments. Yeah, but this guy, he's gonna he's gonna help this team in the playoffs. He's a, uh, I believe, he's a six eight, six nine center, so he he's you can run him in a small ball lineup. He's gonna play mm-hmm. defense and he's gonna get your boards, maybe some offensive rebounds. I, I love the fit, especially when they are missing. Um, man, I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, DeAndre Ayton. No, uh, their center, uh, from seventy played 76ers, Minnesota. Why well, I, I keep wanting to say Darko, but no, that's not right. He tore his ACL in the finals last year. Which oh, worked. Sarich. Dario, Dario, Dario Saric. Yep. I was like, why well, do I want to say Darko, Dario? There we You're go. Adding them.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. But, I
1: yeah, I was gonna say Bianbo
0: is kind of like almost like he reminds his play reminds me of almost like a poor man's Bam bio. It is kind of weird yeah, he's a shorter bit. center. He's got good size, good speed. He's probably he's a worst passer, but everything else, he's, he's good on the boards and he's done a great job for them in, in those absence of those players. And yeah, I don't even know. Is Sarge scheduled to come back this year? Do you know?
1: Is it all? Uh, if he does, it's going to be really late. Like, because mm-hmm. he tore, because the season was a later season last yeah, year. Yeah. Like, it was already into July when he tore his ACL. So who knows, honestly? Definitely. If anything, I, I wouldn't expect him back before the playoffs. Definitely.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye at the Suns as they continue to climb and get that lead in the Western Conference, which. You want to hold on to that one seat at all possible? You might get an easy matchup against the Lakers, but we'll see how things get things shake out. And we wanted to our last segment here a little bit before we get to tee up. Obviously, is I wanted to talk a little bit about Dallas and they've kind of flown underneath the radar for the most of the season. Got off to a really underwhelming start. Luka didn't didn't look to really be in shape. Team couldn't really find his footing. But since then, they've slowly improved their play. They find themselves slowly climbing in that Western Conference. They're currently 26-20 and 20 and at fifth place in the West. So, Jared, what do you think the ceiling is for this Mavericks team?
1: Um, despite their great play as of late, uh, I don't think their ceiling is that high. It's not a very deep roster. Um, they're a couple of pieces away from being a true contender in the Western Conference. Like, sure, they have the superstar in Luka Doncic, but um, the rest of their pieces, like, other than I would say Jalen Brunson, no one's really consistent. Tim Hardaway Jr. has his moments. Mm-hmm. Um, KP, it's I feel like it's game-to-game basis, whether you're going to get the New York Knicks all-star version or re- whether you're going to get the guy that's been in trade talks ever since he arrived in Dallas, it feels like. Yeah. Um, I don't know what moves you can make because, obviously, they're they if their best bet's the buyout market because mm-hmm. I don't think they can bring in anything of value with anything they give up to like make any massive changes. Um, which is kind of unfortunate. For some reason, Dallas, and we saw this in Dirk's time in uh, Dallas. Dallas has never been a big free agency destination, and I, it's kind of sad, like to see if Luka Doncic's early years are wasted just because they can't draw anybody into the franchise. Um, as we've seen this year, it's it's been str- especially when Luca's not at his best. It's Dallas really can't do much. Um, so that's just my opinion. I don't think their ceiling's too high, but uh, it's just great to see at least the team playing better lately.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know where I'd place their ceiling. I could see them being a second-round team. I could see them getting past the, their first-round matchup. And I'll tell you what, man, I wouldn't want to play this team if they stay on this trajectory when it comes to the playoffs. We know what Luka's capable of, especially when he gets to the postseason. You can just go ask the Los Angeles Clippers about that. They've had plenty <laughs> plenty of trouble with Luka when it comes to the playoffs. Lucas has really played himself back into shape, and you would love to get to the point where he's kind of mature enough. He knows that he's got to come into the season in shape because you can't do this every year. where you come in, it doesn't look like you really worked out at all in the offseason, and it's going to take you a month or two months to really play yourself into shape. That's not a good situation where you want to be. But now we're at the point where dude is in shape and he's dropping 40 points a night. Like, that's just the type of player that he is. To me, this is tough. I would love to see the Mavericks be really active try to improve before the trade deadline. I think Luca is a bona fide superstar, and I think Kristaps would be a good number three. I don't think Kristaps has ever been a number two. I think he needs to be a number three on a roster. I want to see this team go big game hunting at all possible. I know they don't really have the assets. They're going to have to kind of mortgage their future. If at all possible, try to get in there, try to get in the market of some of these guys that have been rumored to be traded to go find that number two scoring option to help Luca as we get deeper and deeper into the season. You know, go get, go try to get Karis LeVert. Go try to get Demonis Sabonis. Go try to get, I wrote down, Jalen Brown. Go try to get Jalen Brown. Good luck with that one because we know the Celtics don't trade anything. Go get Brandon Ingram. Free him from the New Orleans Pelicans. Go get someone that can come in and help this team when Luka doesn't score 40 points a night. Someone who can help them out down the stretch in big games and help push this team over the hump because that's the only way they're, they're going to kind of raise the bar, especially in the Western Conference.
1: Free everyone from the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. I want to you're not wrong. You're you're sadly not wrong. And from what was it two to three years ago when we we're like, oh, this team has one of the brightest futures in the NBA. They're gonna be one of these
1: teams. And where are they now? Like Brandon's just, balling. It doesn't matter. Just just send Zion to New York. We know he's probably gonna end up there at some point anyway. But yeah. Him and Julius Randle and oh boy. Swap you don't need Julius Randall's nine there. Just get the the Duke Big Three going. That'd be. I don't think. There you ever, go. Cam I don't radished. think have ever yeah. seen um in the NBA like. I mean, because we have some trifectas or some fours, and yeah. fives in terms of squads of, of notable players that played in college. I don't think we've seen more than two players, prolific players, play together. From their yeah. college days. Like Hakeem and Clyde Drexler are the only one that comes to mind because when mm-hmm. they both played at Houston and then played in Houston. <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now we got like, you know,
0: oh, no, they didn't play together. My bad. Never mind. Anyways, moving on here to our final and our favorite segment on the Team Up podcast, and that's Team Up. So, Jarrett
1: was getting your technical foul this week. Um, I, I mean, I already kind of talked about it. I didn't realize how much i would talk about it but uh i have to tee up um i have to tee up the nba okay uh now i know the 68 week suspension was a little outrageous <laughs> on my part uh but that's i'm a passionate guy i stick up for my boy caruso come on he's one of my favorite players i have to um but you have to suspend grace now he's there's a history like whether it's one game or two the nba just has to make a statement something has to be done or else players are going to continue to be at risk playing this guy. Because this guy, he's been, he's been suspended in college. He's been thrown out of games in college. You, you've seen it as early as the uh, NBA Summer League, his rookie year. Nothing's been done. Nothing's changed. It's, it's, he's going to be the same guy until something really wakes his ass up to realize, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. And so far, the NBA has done nothing as far as I've heard. So uh, I have to tee up the NBA on that one.
0: Yeah, I get it. I completely understand it. I understand the frustration. But this week, I'm going to take a little bit different approach. I'm going to tee up Sacramento Kings guard Terrence Davis. And I know most of you probably didn't see this game because it was between the Kings and the Rockets. So why would anybody watch this game? But it, I didn't watch this game. But it was a good one. Uh, Davis's teammate drove to the lane, kicked the ball out to the top of the arc where Davis was as open as you're ever going to get on a basketball court for a three-pointer. Davis paused for what seemed like 10 seconds, gave a very noticeable shoulder shimmy. Oh, no. Before rising and front rimming a three, (laughs) right out to be rebounded by Houston. And we've seen, and we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago on the TMO podcast, Alvin Gentry, he was pissed, man. Oh, my. Threw his clipboard on the bench. He looked just completely done as we've already seen so far, with the Kings organization. poor man. He looked awful. It was a ridiculous thing. If you're going to showboat like that, if you're going to give that shoulder shimmy, you're going to pause and hesitate for that defender to even take two steps forward to you. You have to knock down that three. But, man, technical foul for me on Terrence Davis. If you're going to showboat, knock down the shot. That's all I have to say on that.
1: Can we, like... Just give a moment of silence for Alvin Gentry's NBA career thus far. He was at the highest of highs. Yeah. In 2015 with the Warriors. I remember I still remember seeing the video where uh he was just with Steve Kerr and the champagne's everywhere. And he was yelling at AD because he was already hired as the Pelicans yeah. head coach by this point. He's like, We're we're coming here next year. We'll be here. And then the Pelicans didn't work out. And I, I think he was still there during Zion's rookie season where like Zion was out half the year. So he didn't even get a full Zion kicked out of town uh, and somehow, unfortunately found his way out to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, Luke Walton gets fired and now, well, now it's his problem. I, I feel bad for the guy. Cause he seems like a really nice guy. He's probably a good coach. Yeah. I mean,
0: no, we, we we talked a little bit earlier. We're free some of these bad guys, from some of these teams, man. Bad free, franchises. free Alvin Gentry, man. He free he Alvin. is much happier being the first assistant on some contending team. Let's give him a shot,
1: dude. I'd uh, that's so I'd rather fortunate. be the ball boy on a contending yeah. team. I'm sure <laughs> at, this, at this point, coach.
0: at this point, equipment manager for you know yeah. Milwaukee or Chicago or Golden State is looking pretty good right now. I'm sure he's <laughs> would no, uh, that's all we have this week for the Team Up Podcast. We want to thank you guys all for joining us. Be sure to follow us along on all of our social media platforms for some more fun NBA content throughout the week. So that's all we have, guys. Thanks for watching and catch you guys later.
1: Make sure to share us with your family and friends.